Welcome to Radical Rocks. On the first part of the journey, I was looking at radical rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand, hills, and rings. The first thing I found was a geocrystals, quartz with no clouds. It was hot and the ground was hard, but the gems were there to be found. See, I've been through the desert, found a rock with no name, felt good to have in my hand. In the desert, you can find lots of rocks, cause radical rocks are everywhere. to Radical Rocks. Um, today we've got a very exciting episode for you. Uh, I would wave and say hi to you, but I can't seem to get my camera working on the video. But for everyone on the podcast, hello, welcome to Radical Rocks. We've got a very exciting episode for you. We're going to talk about a giant flying dragon fossil that's been found in Australia. We're going to talk about spectacular agates and geodes. We'll look at barite, uh, adamite, tourmaline, we're going to look at a frog leg beetle, gemstone cuts that are way above what's average. Um, we're going to look at a few human interest stories. We're going to find out about an unknown mineral on Earth, even though it occurs here, that is supposedly going to be abundant on Mars. We're going to talk about the rich seabed. You want to see the moon? Well, you need to go to Maine. We're going to talk about a giant mammoth tooth as big as your hand. First rock from Mars. And what do rich people want when it comes to rocks and minerals? So without further ado, guys, I just want to thank you all um, for subscribing, for liking, for sharing, for you know commenting. All of this stuff really helps um, build the channel, and um, it's appreciated very, very much. Okay. With that, go check out RadicalRocks.com, scroll down to the bottom, and join up in our social media, videos, or podcasts, wherever you might be. First off, we've got at Physics.org, mineral-rich seafloor. Um, an article goes on to say, DDT dump sites reveal new methane seep and well fall. Um, it's written by an ocean institute. You can go to phys.org. August the 9th, and they talk about going off the coast of Southern California out of uh, San Diego. The Scripps Institution of Oceanography has been doing a lot of uh, studying of the ecosystem out there, very involved in oceanography. If you ever go to the beach there, to uh, La Jolla, you will see parks donated by the Scripps family and such. Um, but they're finding here that the areas are filled with potential for rare earth, um, such as uh, 
Pheromone magazine, excuse me, magnesia, uh, phosphorite, and other things that help build electronics, batteries, solar panels, and other uh, technology. They're taking 300 different samples of sea rock sediments. They're also going to check about the potential for microbes um, that could be in these mineral-rich areas. And they're also going to check to see what the DDT levels are and find out uh, if this is affecting the whales and stuff. So a lot of potential going on there. Now check this out. Um, there's a mineral that is really unknown pretty much on the earth. They say it's in the very core of our earth. And they say that this could be the most common mineral on Mars. And I'll explain why. It's at Forbes.com. It was written by David Breeson. Um, as a contributor here and the earth you know has this hot core in the middle that makes it very dense that density is what causes our gravitational pull now this mineral that's deep in the core of the earth is not stable anywhere else and becomes other minerals as it comes out but this mineral they feel will be even on the surface of Mars a high concentration of heavier minerals uh, like uh, the like magnesium and iron, and they show the different cores of Mars and Earth and compare them side by side, so you can learn about the density and these minerals. And this mineral that is in the center is called bridgmanite, and it's also known as a silica perovskite, and it's a magnesium iron silica dioxide making up about 38% of the Earth's volume. But as they found with Mars, because of its gravitational pulls and such, that this planet should be loaded with this stuff. They've also found some fragments from a meteorite that fell in 1986 and uh, found this weird mineral that is in here. And... Um, so they're going to be doing more and more studying. The article goes on to talk about the molecular um, construction of this mineral and um, even more if you want to look that up. Go to Forbes.com. A mineral unknown on Earth could be the most common mineral on Mars. Next, we've got an interesting article on this gentleman named Jim. Um, not sure his last name, Scaram, S-C-H-R-A-M-M. He was a lapidarius who just keeps on polishing. He's still kicking 30 years of polishing rocks here. Um, this area, I forget where it was located, North Dakota. North Dakota, um, he works on rocks, agates, feldspars. Now what he does, he donates almost everything he finds uh, that he polishes and he makes all sorts of really interesting things. He's moved around quite a bit, but he loves rock polishing. Um, he has lapidary equipment down in his basement, I believe. And he has a, a little air... Oh, no, it's a little workshop that he got across the street. That's right. And he's cutting Christian crosses, but he's done cabochons. Um, he's done necklaces. He's done uh, bola ties, pins, things like that. And um, he tumbles them and shines them. He's done a lot of other interesting things with him too. Uh, if you want to read this article about him, he's in his 90s. I believe he's 92 years old and he's still making it happen. Cutting rocks and enjoying things. He says it's a little harder now with his eyesight, but he's still doing it. So this is a great hobby. 
that you can do, whether you're young or old. We're going to talk about some stories about young folks, too. Also, at thegazette.com, Woodland Park Rock Gym and Jewelry Show, scheduled for August the 19th through the 22nd by William Denglish. And uh, Woodland Park here is in uh, Colorado. So if you're in Colorado, you can go to woodlandparkrockandgymshow.com and find out all about that. But it looks like a, a really good time can be had there with this uh, gym and mineral area. They even say that uh, free digging is available for kids who would like to try digging rocks. So that might be a good experience to get uh, your kids or grandkids started in rock collecting. Now, gemstones and rocks and minerals, it's all about what you do with them. Um, we usually think about jewelry. And in this article in the jewelermagazine.com, you can see here colored gemstones, a cut above. Now, there's some common cuts that we're all familiar with, but Justin uh, K. Prim looks into all the different uh, variety of cuts. He wrote this on August the 10th. You can see in the article that they've got the dopping sticks and cabochons there that, next to the grinding wheel that looks like it's been used quite a bit. Talks about the cutting quality and then they start going into some of these beautiful gemstones and finished jewelry but the shape okay the shape is what we're going to concentrate on but you need good stones you need brilliant stones you need stones that reflect light and you need the cut that brings that out brings out the color and the brilliance of the stone they have some uh, beautiful amethyst here actually it's man montana pink sapphire it almost looks like um, it's so purple it looks like it could be amethyst, a beautiful stone here in a beautiful cut, a shimmering round cut that's definitely above average. A step cut with an emerald, a very traditional cut, a star bright, which is kind of a square emerald cut, like which is popular with traditional uh, rubies and stuff. And it goes into the step-by-step -step facets and step-by-step cuts that are required to do this. A mixed cut um, can be done at the bottom of the gemstone. You know, typically when you think of a gemstone, you think of the top. You think of the way it, it looks when somebody shows you the ring and it looks on the top. But the cuts that are on the bottom can be step cuts, can be swirl cuts, can be long cuts. Uh, and these can bring out more light and make this uh, a stone that might be just kind of a yellow dot look brilliant and shine much more, refract much more light. And uh, this is what this article is showing. They show you a plain cabochon, and then they have another Starbright mixed cut organ sunstone. The cuts in this thing make it look spectacular. Um, it looks like a, a like a, a labyrinth and a snowflake all combined into one. You got to check this out. And then an Asher cut, it takes a square cut and then cuts the corners off of it. So you've basically got uh, an eight-sided, but it's not an octagon. It's more of a square, an eight-sided gemstone that refracts all kinds of light. The Portuguese cut um, is a hit or miss cut that uh, it has been brings out a subtle colored stone like a peachy morganite or a seaform uh, tourmaline to look vivid and soft without becoming too flashy and bright. 
So some of these cuts are very custom for accomplishing certain things. The cabochon is uh, the oldest cut. It's not faceted. Um, this typically works good for a stone that isn't going to um, refract light, not a crystal, but more of a, a lapidary type gemstone that just needs to shine and um, show uh, its uh, color off that way so that it can be seen at different angles. This is very popular for some uh, crystal type stones such as jade, very pure jade can be somewhat clear, star ruby, sapphire, opal, emerald, um, turquoise, cat's eye, uh, chrysoberyl, moonstone, and labyrinth. And I'll tell you what, cat's eye tourmaline is spectacular on a cabochon cut. A trillion, you know, this is going to have three-sided triangle cut and uh, can be good with certain types of stones. So you can look at this article to find out how that might work. A princess cut, very popular with diamonds, uh, makes it look bigger. Uh, sometimes it has a big face on it. Also, star cut can be very good. This is another one that's somewhere between a brilliant cut and a Portuguese cut. It has a benefit of giving a slightly fresher look, uh, kind of bright but not so ordinary, might make a good choice. And then they have a few more pictures of some of these. An opposed bar cut on a green tourmaline. This takes a rectangle shape and really makes it flashy. I would call it kind of a modern look to it. It looks like it has uh, kind of squares reflecting within it. And then um, the Starbright Mix Cut on an Oregon Sunstone that John Dreyer did as well. He did uh, also that opposed bar cut on the green tourmaline is somewhat of a pyramid shave. It's somewhere between a teardrop and a pyramid and uh, has all these undercuts on it that make it look like you're just being hypnotized. Another Asher cut, um, Cylon Sapphire by Jeff White here. This again is a square with the corners cut off, so it's got eight sides. But what's done on the bottom side of it makes it look like a labyrinth of shining um, geometrical shapes from pyramids to squares to other odd shapes in between. The This really gives a lot of character. If you've seen some of these new modern gemstone cuts, uh, they can really bring some of these kind of plainer colored gemstones that we see and really make them something flashy and something that is really beautiful and desirable to the eye. They show rough tourmaline crystals here, and then they show some beautiful flower cut faceted gemstones, which is called the Hanum, Hanuma Cut Amethyst and Citrine by Marco Voltolini. And uh, yeah, you can read more about this. Justin K. Prim is the author here. If you go to his site, it's uh, Justin kprim.com uh, and learn more about these neat uh, types of gemstone cuts that really are a cut above. Now what about paleontologists finding a frog leg beetle fossil in Colorado? This species uh, looks uh, like a normal beetle to me but the back legs kind of look like a bumblebee uh, leg if anything in my opinion. You can see it here uh, this was found in Colorado, I believe, here in the United States. It does have a really cool pattern. It's really rare that they find these fossilized because beetles usually fall in the water or they break apart. So to find one that's whole like this is quite spectacular. And um, they found a couple of them here 
that they've been able to study, completely different from other beetles that they see today. So it has gone extinct. Now look at this crazy, crazy dragon flying reptile fossil that was discovered in Australia. This monster has a face like a crocodile from hell, looks like a dragon straight from the pits of Hades. It has teeth which are described as sabers because they're so long and vicious. This creature had a wingspan of 23 feet. This is as big as a small, uh, probably about the biggest trailer you can get on uh, the back of your truck without having a fifth wheel is about a 23, 24 foot trailer. Um, unless you get one of those super lightweight ones, maybe they can go a little bit longer. But this is one huge, ginormous creature. Its head from stem to stern was over three feet long. This thing would swoop up like a real life dragon uh, enemy to fish and other creatures. They know that uh, they're a bird-like creature because the way the bones are structured, hollow, but uh, they still feel it might be a reptile. This was discovered quite a while ago, but they've been doing more and more research and other pieces that uh, they've been putting together to find out that this is what it is. They're pretty sure, you know, it always changes, but it's a Petasaurus type. There's three different species of Petasaurus. This one seems to be completely new and different from all of the others. What a monster found uh, and inspected by the University of Queensland. This article came out by Corn Witzel, and you can see it on smithsonianmag.com. What a beast, folks. Man, I'm glad I don't have to deal with those anymore today. Um, Stonehenge. Yeah, Stonehenge. It's old. Three billion years old, they say. I'll tell you, I see a study on Stonehenge every few years. This one's on the NewYorkPost.com, August 5th, by uh, Euron Steinberg uh, and Natalie O'Neill. And uh, just talking about, it's very short art. Well, I guess it goes on. It's an article about Stonehenge and the study and how they found it and how it's been sinking in the ground and such like that. Um, yeah, I mean, just because it's 2 billion years old doesn't mean people put it up there 2 billion years ago. And uh, I certainly have just about absolutely zero no faith in the way they calculate the years for rocks. There's really, if you do an unbiased study um, and compare so many um, uh, reports of how they do these and, and what the numbers are and how they do it, there's just so much room for, I mean, they are always upgrading. Oh, it's a, it's a million years longer. It's a billion years longer. It's a billion years shorter. It's always changing. So definitely a difficult science to try to prove. Uh, it's really just theory. Mars Curiosity rover detects whimsical rocks on the red planet. You got an article here from ScienceTimes.com by Audrey Clark. And uh, Aubrey Clark shows some pictures here of some of these NASA rocks uh, that are said to be from Mars and from erosion and things like that that we've been reading about. But they said this one arch looks like DNA that the rover has found. And they have pictures of it there if you want to check it out. Um, yeah, is it DNA? Yeah, I don't know. It, it zigs and zags. That's about all I can see. It doesn't look as... Here's a better picture of it. So, yeah, I guess it swirls around once. Um, 
almost almost once, maybe a little bit more than once. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of like looking at clouds. If you look at clouds and uh, one person sees one thing and another person sees another, they're not saying it's DNA, they're just saying it's shaped like a DNA strand. Now, McDonald Minerals is not a sponsor of the show, but um, the email they send out is really cool. Um, the site is pretty cool because when they have the rocks like this uh, atomite here, They've got a sample of it here on this uh, black rock, uh, host rock, and then the green and uh, white clearish crystals. And they tell you what mine it's from. Uh, this one's from a mine in Mexico, Durango. And then another one from the uh, Troy mine in uh, Basque County, Spain here. This is a piece of barite, white barite in crystals. Another barite that is more longer, skinnier, uh, terminated type looking crystals here is found in the Iowa uh, from the Linwood mine in Buffalo, Scott County. Uh, another piece of uh, sporadolite quartz from Romania. Uh, another calcite sample from uh, Chihuahua, Mexico. So it's kind of cool because you can look at these minerals here and see what mines they came from, what area they came from. Uh, here's Sierra Branca, Rio Grande, uh, Brazil. You've got a beautiful um, Davite tourmaline crystal here, terminated on one end. They've got uh, a couple from that area. They've got the Chaya Mine, also from Brazil. They've got some crystals here from San Diego, the Stewart Mine. Beautiful tourmaline pink, and then a couple ones in the back that look like they might be black. Uh, that's their new specimens. And then they've got some other specimens here of uh, uh, beautiful green with uh, red-tipped tourmaline crystals from, again, from Ramona, the little three mine. And uh, from all these different mines all over the country, several from San Diego and Brazil on these tourmalines. They've got a beautiful piece here that is trapped in uh, the host rock, a beautiful greenish uh, from the Paris Oxford mine in Maine piece of tourmaline here and then more black tourmaline from uh, San Diego and such you've got a brownish uh, tourmaline here that's a huge chunk here it looks like from the little three mines in in San Diego again and their samples are fair you know small ones are 20 bucks and so we're not going to go through it all but uh, quite a lot to look at and to enjoy Lots of barite, uh, calcite family here. Calcite from Chihuahua, Mexico, and other areas. There's uh, some stuff from Japan here. Quartz twin crystal from Japan. Very beautiful. Uh, you got some actinolite with quartz intrusions. And this is from Austria. So you just never know where these minerals are going to come from. They've got another beautiful mineral here from Peru. So that's always fun to check that out. You get on these mailing lists and you get sent all these gems and sometimes a little bit of information too that can be very educational. So keep that in mind and don't cut that uh, out of what you do. Time for a swig of coffee. All right, what do the rich people do when they have a lot of money? They buy, of course, enormous crystals. I mean, what else would you do if you had tons of money? I mean... Invest it, go on vacation, buy a new car. Heck no. You want to buy giant crystals, okay? You go to this uh, website here, uniondemocrat.com, uh, if you want to, 
And it's from Andrea Chang, Los Angeles Time, on the 5th. But uh, she goes into the crazy crystals. They've got some beautiful amethyst crystals. Look like they're about three feet tall by about a foot and a half wide at the thickest part. Um, also, they got a uh, lady here kind of wearing some stylish uh, open-toed boot things and got her spoilt rotten dog and her giant uh, gold bangles, bangles on her wrist sporting these spectacular specimens that are mounted on these uh, iron knife stands. It looks like a big giant, excuse me, agate there or something. But as you scroll through, they talk about these places that are selling them and how these crystals are selling for tens of thousands of dollars. Um, people are ordering them online since COVID, and um, it's not uncommon for someone to spend on a four and a half foot tall uh, amethyst to spend up to $50,000 on their collections. Some of these folks have done uh, collecting these crystals. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And uh, I think they're located in California, this company that specializes in selling them. Now, Mars excitement as the rover drills the first rock core to return to Earth. Um, this is written by Alexandra Witz again. Uh, she's written a couple of them on nature.com. And there's the rover. You can see the shadow of it on this website here. Perseverance took its first rock core on August the 6th, just a few days ago. And you can see the holes drilled there. They believe that these might be igneous rocks. Um, this looks like a volcanic source, maybe something like a uh, granite. Here's the next one they're getting ready to drill. What they've done is they've cleaned off the surface there uh, so they can reveal some of the minerals. It looks like possibly feldspar and other type of minerals that you might see on a granite. Um, so this is what they're thinking. It could be igneous. And um, they're drilling it, testing it and uh, they will continue to do that, find out what is in the gaps, if anything, and then roll onwards to the River Delta. That is their next target. They want to try to find life and fossils. We will see what happens as they continue on their quest of Mars. Now, are scientists brilliant? Yes, of course they are. Do they know what they're doing when it comes to fossils and aging things and distinguishing and telling you what it's related to. Usually they don't even know, you know, the old expression, your head from your rear end. Well, the head of what they find from the rear end. It took them 24 years of research for scientists to distinguish between the head and the rear of this animal, believe it or not. Uh, by Jake Pearson. You can look it up on swordstoday.ie and you will see this bizarre creature that looks like kind of like a vertebrae with spikes. So for years they didn't even know what was the legs and what was what. It's just an imprint. Very hard to tell um, what it is. They've never found a whole one. They do believe it's a worm. Um, this worm is uh, just bizarre as can be. It has these uh, legs that stick out the bottom and spikes that stick out the bottom or out the top. And they can't tell which end is which. But by discovering other such worm fossils, they've been able to kind of discover little by little what might be the head based on another one that they found that uh, did have a head. They have no eyes. Uh, these have been found in China since the 80s, 
and uh, they're continually looking for them, splitting open. They call it uh, the norm, the no-worm, the gillworm, and the spike worm, all invertebrate fossils from the early uh, Cambrium uh, time period. And they are looking at these along with uh, trilobites and fauna and other things and looking at hair, uh, what they get out of some fossils and trying to find eyes and appendages and mouth and x-raying this and looking inside. And through all this, um, they have identified that there's like these little toe-like things. So they now know for sure what is the feet. It's not the spikes. And um, what is the head? Based on these studies, they feel that uh, they found another creature that has a, a, a longer round head, which makes it a little easier to identify. But these pictures are just crazy if you take the time to look at them and see what this creature looked like. They think it might be uh, related to uh, uh, like crabs and things like that, uh, arthropods. So I don't know. I heard, you know, it's not a worm. They thought it was a worm, but now, now they think it's something else. So very interesting, like a crab. And that's what I thought when I saw the, the it. I thought, eh, it looks more like a crab than a worm. Now, this student finds a huge mammoth tooth as big as a human hand. If you get to, if this video works, you can go check it out. I had last week, I tried to do a video twice and it didn't work. So it just didn't become a video. But on uh, northfolknews.co.uk, Stuart Anderson published on the 6th here and it's got some nice pictures of this mammoth tooth that was found by a 19-year-old paleologist student, a picture of him here, Jake Norton, who found it while uh, looking at the beach in North Fork, uh, University of Portsmouth. And uh, he found this very rare to find such a tooth. You can see it next to the hammer there. Beautiful specimen, uh, really a find of a lifetime. And uh, it's uh, 15.5 centimeters at its longest point, 16 centimeters at its height, and 8 centimeters at its width. So um, definitely uh, a, a, a molar tooth because of the layers it was used for grinding up uh, vegetation and food and such. And... Uh, a great find that would be really exciting but look at this picture because you know you, if you ever see anything like this it might be a tooth right smaller ones could be camel or whatnot you probably won't find one this big but you know maybe you'll find half a one or you'll find a camel tooth or something they have a similar look to them these fossilized molars teeth now if you want to see the moon don't go out in your backyard don't grab a telescope go to Maine mineral and gym museum uh, if you go to the csmonitor.com, the Christian Science Monitor, uh, they've got an article here on this beautiful display from the Maine Mineral and Gym uh, Museum Space Rock Gallery. They've got some huge specimens that they feel busted off the moon during a meteor attack and uh, fell down to the earth from that. And you can read all about that. This uh, giant piece here, was found of 26 pounds, uh, acquired by NASA from the Apollo program. Another one busted off from a rock, uh, a, a hit to to the uh, planet, and they have pieces of that there. They also have a lot of great gems and minerals there if you want to check that out. Uh, there is links. Next, I want to talk about 
spectacular geodes, spectacular agates. Um, I just had seen the articles on the rich people, you know, and collecting these giant cavities, crystal cavities, which are just really giant geodes. And I thought, wow, you know, it would be nice to go through and talk about and look at some nice agates and geodes. So I was able to go to mindat.org and they have a, a agate photo gallery there that shows some beautiful, beautiful stones I thought we could talk about for a few minutes and uh, round off our discussion with some good rocks and minerals. Cal Sedney here from Great North Little Falls. They've even got the township in New Jersey, uh, United States. They've got a specimen here that is uh, reddish brown, uh, more red, definitely, and then pinkish with whitish starting off at an elongated circle with layers and layers, almost like a rhyolite design, uh, specimens that were collected from that area. Also, some chalcedony agate is shown here with beautiful uh, lace pattern, greens, grays, and um, uh, pasty pastel colors that uh, look quite beautiful from France, collected from France. Another beautiful chalcedony here uh, with quartz and amethyst has an amethyst vein with, uh, with, a, with a curly laced layer, white and then red and white and pink and orange and red and just a beautiful piece from Germany here it says. Another piece from Germany uh, is shown and then finally another piece is chalcedony brown layered, uh, kind of a more of an agate than a geode. And then another piece of beautiful agate here, Laguna agate, which is typically found in Mexico, uh, gray with clear areas on it. Now here's a chalcedony from Agate Creek in Queensland, Australia, with a deep red center in the agate, layers of white bands, then green, then white and green, and then more white and green, and then finally a earthy brownish red. A spectacular orange-skinned geode with level layering, crystals on top of that, clear crystals. Uh, the layering is a off greenish brown with cream streams in it. The crystals are clear. The orange skin and border is vivid and spectacular from Agate Creek in Queensland, Australia. Chalcedony from Rancho uh, Chihuahua, Mexico. Laguna agate here, beautiful red with some olive green and yellow bands. Spectacular gravel uh, from the Rhineland, Germany area. An agate with pseudomorph structures of an unknown material. It has green spikes all through it. If you're familiar with the pseudomorph, uh, it can look like starburst. It can look like little uh, sticks and swords all thrown in there in different uh, random order or even patterns. Quite spectacular, wonderful piece to have in a collection, no doubt. Uh, Agate Creek, Queensland, Australia, a beautiful piece of ocean type looks like ocean uh, jasper to me with orbs of white with pale green centers red orange 
outlines on a green and orange molded boulder uh, or pebble. Beautiful. Um, another agate creek fossil, or uh, excuse me, um, agate there. And we've got more from New Jersey here. A beautiful white rose red tinted agate with radiating and banded texture and quartz in a basalt. I mean, it just goes on and on, guys. There's a crazy lace chalcedony Laguna agate from Chihuahua, Mexico here with various colors. Um, spectacular things coming out of Chihuahua, Mexico, the Camito area. I'm probably saying that wrong, but uh, they sell these all the time. Uh, it's kind of like the Condor area, some of these famous areas in Mexico where these spectacular agates and geodes come from. Uh, there's over 17 pages. Uh, we just barely covered one page. I haven't even looked at them all. Here's one with a yellow banding, an orange banding inside of that, an orange banding outside of that, and a kind of a uh, off light blue opalescence around the outside edges. Uh, this beauty was also collected from Chihuahua, Mexico, and it just goes on and on, folks. We'll take a look at some pink ones from Chihuahua, Mexico. It looks like a lot of these are from Mexico, but as you go through here, you will find others as well. Um, some from Poland. It's amazing where these come from. A lot are Brazil and, of course, the Northwest United States and Mexico and such. Uh, here's one from the Czech Republic. New Mexico, Baker Egg Ranch, beautiful bright red agate, um, just on and on, guys. Well, I think we should uh, wrap it up. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Remember um, to go to RadicalRocks.com, get tied into our social media, like, subscribe, share, help us grow. We appreciate your support. Remember, rock hounds don't die, they petrify.